You got me mad now. You know, you got a bad pickle. Feeling good. Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ran the bad pickle in the arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. That's me. I don't know what the kid is that was a riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your face But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> hey, you know that wrestling, right, you know that wrestling boy. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there internet land and welcome to episode 309 of the Straight Shooters. Available wherever podcasts are found, including the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick McCone, the Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us here on episode 309. We got a lot to do. We got a lot to get to. We got a, a deep dive. Okay, we got a deep dive into In Your House 5. That rhymed. Which has been retroactively called Season's Beatings. So, from December of 1995, uh, we're going to talk all about that. You're right, Vincent, man. We're going to do do it. (laughs) We're going to do it. We're going to touch on it. Uh, The main event, British Bulldog, Bret Hart, WWF title. We got a casket match. We got Jeff Jarrett and Ahmed Johnson stuff. All kinds of stuff going on in that show. Pretty eventful in your house. Uh, Hogpen, Arkansas Hogpen match. There's a lot going on in this show. So, we're going to talk all about that. But before that, we got an interview. We got an interview with Griff Briggs, the chief operating officer of SRG Universe. They run the super show, The Game Card Game, which has got a lot of independent talent involved and a lot of legendary wrestlers involved. And they're going to be co-promoting a independent wrestling show in New Jersey this weekend, Westville, New Jersey to be exact. Uh, Winter Wars Rumble from the good folks at New South Pro Wrestling based out of Alabama. So we're going to talk all about the card game. We're going to talk all about the independent show coming up this weekend. In the interview, so stay tuned for that. Again, deep dive interview. But before we get into that, I gotta do my weekly check-in with my man, man, pots and pants, Nick. How you doing tonight, my good brother? Doing well. I uh, back at the back in the saddle. You know, back at work. Uh, back in the saddle, recovering. Like Eric uh, Bischoff, baby. There you go. But I'm not gonna dye my hair. At least I'm not. Bad. At least not yet. But, uh, and better than ever. <laughs> I, uh, you know that. Hey, if you haven't followed, I'm having such a good time. But I feel like I'm peaking early with this uh, unfortunate WWE Twitter account. I plugged you don't want to post too much episode. too soon, man. Do but, one uh, post a day. I'm like, I feel like Vincent Man. I'm kind of posting to entertain myself almost, like because I, <laughs> I gotta stop. I gotta like think about the people. You know, give the yeah. people what they want, but. Uh, don't give them too much at one time. So. Right, do one post a day. Leave uh, them wanting more. Oh, yeah. I don't Save know if it. I can do one a day. I might Sa- do th- have to do three or something. Nah, one a day. Morning, Could you, you give yourself content for the next year if you That's just do true. one a day. That's true. And save it for the pay-per-view, man. Come on. It's Wrestling Booking 101. That's true. Save it for the, <laughs> save it for the pay-per-view. <laughs> don't give it, it all away. Mania. Save it for Mania. All right. Don't but, give uh, it all away on a Wednesday. No. <laughs> save it for... Sunday, the pay-per-view. 
True that, true that. So having a good time with that. Uh, you know, if you haven't followed it, go at unfortunate WWE on Twitter. Uh, having a good time, but I think I'll take Vaughn's advice and, uh, you know, stagger it a bit more. You know, I don't want to lose any, like, my mind is so crazy, I don't want to, like, mess it up, so. Uh, Just get yourself an Excel sheet. Yeah. And map it all out, yeah. man. You'll be That's good. Right. That's right. Uh, I'm glad I have you to, you know, talk me down sometimes, Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> Going crazy. <laughs> Unfortunate WWE account. I so, am Cornholio. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait a I, forgot you, I forgot I did that. <laughs> that was very random, but I totally forgot I did that. That's funny. That was me as a five-year-old walking around my mom's, uh, you know, the apartment back in West Philly. Oh man! With my shirt on my top of my head, screaming, <laughs> "I am Cornholio." That was wild. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of current news to speak about in pro wrestling outside of something that happened. Uh, earlier today, as we record this here on Thursday, December 9th, uh, Jeff Hardy was released by WWE after an incident this weekend where he was at a show, I believe it was in Corpus Christi, where there's footage out there of him you know, in the ring during a match, and he's clearly in no condition to perform. Uh, apparently, WWE reportedly uh, offered Jeff Hardy to, or they wanted him to go to rehab to, you know, get some help he refused and they unceremoniously released him soon after uh this is this is sad you know for one it's sad to see anybody lose their job obviously but it's sad to see jeff hardy still going through a lot of these issues um and still affecting uh, his livelihood you know um So yeah, it's just it's it's rough. So wishing Jeff Hardy the best. Hope he can really turn this uh turn his life around when it comes to that. But man, it's it's tough, man. And I'm wondering almost like why he did why he rejected uh the reported help that WWE was offering. Um and it could be something as simple as he he doesn't want help and uh, from other people, like he realizes he needs to focus it on himself and he wants to be alone, maybe. I, I mean, some people deal with things like that differently. Uh, clearly, this isn't the first time uh, WWE has released Jeff. So, uh, hopefully, I, I mean, I'd like to see him come back at some point uh, from this, but I, I was surprised every like week seeing him on WWE TV at least uh, still in 2021 like I don't know how he does it uh, I don't know why he would want to do it I don't know if he has any uh, anything else he could be doing currently uh, to help I don't know make ends meet or whatever but it feels like you know for a while now I think like the 2017 return of Jeff and Matt at Wrestlemania was kind of like the peak uh, of the last few years for uh, those guys for me personally and uh, after that kind of fizzled out, I was kind of over it. Um, and it didn't help that Jeff got hurt like right after. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And he you know, Matt, for a while. Matt left, but they froze Jeff's contract, so he's you know he stayed. And I think he even re-upped at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, twenty twenty one. It's just something that we you would hope that Jeff would be like at this point doing something else. Uh, in wrestling if he wants to stay in wrestling or something like that to where he doesn't have to 
wrestle in the ring every night and maybe he wants to do it because he loves it but clearly if he he still having those demons uh it's not a safe time to get in the ring so uh, we'll see you know i didn't even see the footage until you know a few days like i think it came out a few days ago and i didn't even realize uh there was footage out there and then uh it's just a shame that we have to see that play out yeah and i know some people are like wow why is he still going through this? It's because when you're an addict, you're it's always addiction. an addict. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you know, I've, you I've know. known addicts in my family. I understand the mental process of it to where you can't, like, yes, you have to just shut it off, but then it could come right back on. Like, you, you don't really control that. It's how you deal with uh, those demons that uh, will make you who you are. So, right. you know, hopefully nothing worse happens to Jeff. Yeah, so we're pulling for you, Jeff. Hopefully everything works out. Uh, you can get through this 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 latest yeah. chapter and this latest uh, thing, uh, but and hopefully you can rebound and, and get back on track. Um, I know some people are probably speculating about his wrestling future. Oh, is he going to AEW? Like, yeah, he probably will. That's where his brother is. But to me, that's not the important part right now. The more important mm-hmm. thing is Jeff Hardy, however he chooses to do so, gets back on track personally. Um, so yeah. Uh, apparently, like I said, WWE offered to get him help and offered to send him to rehab, and he refused. So, don't know, you know, what he's got in store to get back on track. But hopefully, it all works out for Jeff Hardy, who is, is a, obviously still a fan favorite. Like after like twenty five years of of wrestling, yeah. people still love the guy. Um, and it's a shame that you know he's had these I guess relapses, for lack of a better term. Uh, over the years, but hopefully we you, you know we don't see it again. Hopefully this is the last time. But <sighs> yeah. that's tough. Yeah. That's tough news in the world of pro wrestling. So, but we're gonna move on from that and get into the rest of our show. It's an awkward transition, I know. <laughs> uh, hopefully, if you are listening and you are dealing with addictions, uh, you are seeking the help that you need. Uh, you're getting the help that you need. Uh, in whatever way that is. Uh, so we're pulling for all of you out there who are dealing with addictions and whatever issues that you have with mental health or whatever the case may be. Uh, we're pulling for everyone out there to, you know, live a more positive life, a more fruitful life. So, uh, but again, we're going to make the awkward transition to the rest of our show. Again, deep dive with Griff Briggs and what an interview with Griff Briggs <laughs> and a deep dive into In Your House Seasons Beatings. I combined the two of those. Uh, not doing a deep dive with Griff Briggs. But, and we're uh, going to interview dive. In Your House 5. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to interview uh, Manny Garcia about what happened that night <laughs> at In Your House 5. So we'll take a quick break and then get into the rest of our fantastic show here on episode 309. You're listening to The Straight Shooters, featuring Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone, giving you the best and worst in the world of professional wrestling past and present. The Straight Shooters podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, the Radio.com app, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can become a patron of The Straight Shooters for only $2 per month, 
by signing up at patreon.com forward slash shooters radio. You'll get exclusive content never before heard from two of the best. You can also listen to classic episodes of the straight shooters at shootersradio.com. And we're back here on the Straight Shooters. It's now time for our special exclusive interview. Who do we have in the building? We got the Chief Operating Officer of SRG Universe Incorporated, Griff Riggs. Griff, how you doing tonight, my good brother? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Really excited about this upcoming weekend, so excited to be here. And you mentioned this weekend, like you said, you got a big weekend ahead of you. Griff, of course, as the Chief Operating Officer of SRG Universe Incorporated is a company that has created Super Show the Game, the premier pro wrestling collectible card game out there in the market right now. They've established relationships with talent all across pro wrestling, such as Coca Bana, Sam Callahan, Dan Housen, who I find hilarious, Dan Housen, Effie, and legends such as Rob Van Dam and Rhino. In total, there are more than 400 playable characters in this game. You can even Create yourself if you want to include yourself and beat up Rob That's Van Dam right. or something yeah. like that one day. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I'm in the game. I beat up Rob Van Dam all the time. There you go. <laughs> you want to do that? So, uh, but the th- reason why we're talking about this weekend in particular is because the latest box set is set to be debut set to debut this Saturday at New South Pro Wrestling's Winter Wars event, Winter Wars Rumble, I should say. That takes place in the Westville, New Jersey. Uh, it is called the New South Brawl Two Player Box Set. Again, debuting this weekend at the Winter Wars Rumble from New South Pro Wrestling. You can get your hands on that new box set at Winter Wars, which takes place 1030 Delcy Drive in Westwood. It's not far from where we used to record the podcast, right, Nick? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's right down the road. That sounds like right down the road, right? Okay, I don't know I wasn't tripping. Wildfire that... Radio Studios. Right, so okay, again, general admission for the event, only 20 bucks. If you want to meet and greet some of the talent, that is 30 bucks. And if you want to go VIP, be extra special, and guarantee yourself a first or second row seat, that is for the nominal fee of $50. But that includes the New South Brawl Super Show box set for free. And we all like free things, obviously, out here in the world. Uh, the meet and greet doors open at 6. General admission doors open at 6.30. So, yes, Griff, how you feeling going to this weekend, man? That's a lot of stuff happening with the game, with the yeah. show, New South Pro Wrestling is an Alabama-based promotion running a show up here in Jersey. They're outside of their element, kind of. How you feeling going into this weekend? I mean, I'd be lying if I wouldn't say I'm a little bit nervous, right? Uh, I'm from Tennessee, so I'm from the South as well. So, uh, you know, I've traveled around and done a lot of conventions. This weekend for us is a, is a big board game convention, card game convention called PAX Unplugged. Uh, you know, so we got double duties. You know, we're doing that, and then we're, we're throwing this show, and and we've sponsored shows before and, you know, put our name on some ring mats and on some different things. But this is really our first foray into, you know, having a show and completely funding it and, and bringing this a promotion uh, and an event to our customers and to our fans. That's awesome to hear. And like you said, you're from Tennessee. The promotion is based out of Alabama. What's it like, you know, having a show up north and a, kind of like a different audience almost? I mean... I'd say first, it's scary, right? I mean, we're out of our element. Um, New South draws a huge crowd in Alabama every week. So, you know, we're excited to try to top that uh, crowd that draws in Alabama up in New Jersey. Uh, mostly, I'm I'm really excited to have the opportunity to bring a, a different promotion up north. You know, a lot of times the regional promotions or local promotions, you know, you get a lot of views from the local area, you know, an hour away, two hours away. 
but they don't get a lot of uh, looks across the country. So I'm excited to have New South come up, break into the the Northeast, and you know show them how us Southern guys can do it. And, and it's on IWTV as well, streaming live. Um, so we're super excited about that. So all the fans of New South who can't get it attend will be able to attend virtually. There you go. You got to look out for home base. You know, all the fans that have right. been That's loyal right. to New South over the years down in Alabama. Got to still look out for them, obviously. Uh, but let's talk about the game a little bit. Because I'm not a big card collector, but obviously a lot of people are. I mean, it's a thriving industry right. again almost. I, Pokemon cards are like back pretty much as far as like the buying and selling of Pokemon cards. Right. And it's always been kind of huge. I know I had a lot of friends that played Magic the Gathering back in the day, Digimon and stuff like that. But when you're trying to set out to create a game, your own game, what goes into that? How do you, where do you start from? And what, you know, how do you, what's your process in creating a card based game? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about, you know, the creativity and what you enjoy, right? I mean, if you're building a game or creating a game engine that, that you don't enjoy that you're just out there to try to promote and sell it, it's not going to love's not going to show through and, and really this game was born we it was born back in 2014 with our first kickstarter um there was a wrestling card game that was out there that ended up folding and that game got way too complicated to enjoy with your family and friends you know you couldn't come into it as a new player and and be taught the game and immediately jump in and have fun and so mm. the goal of creating super show was to mimic a wrestling experience or a wrestling show and have it so that I could sit down across the kitchen table for my kids, my parents, or anybody like, like you said yourself, is not a card gamer and play this game and have fun and experience it. And, and that's really what super show is. And that's what it brings. If, if we sit down across from the table, we suspend the, the disbelief that we're playing a card game and we really end up having a wrestling match. That's awesome. That's really awesome. I remember back in the day, we that's that, that's the way you interacted with each other was card games, right? Like there was no right, yeah. Xbox or PS, you know, PS Five. It was you had the card games, and that's how you know when I was a kid. At least that's how it was. And then obviously we got video games now. But card collecting and card games, they have a very like dedicated fan base. Like those people, people who play these games, they are very into the collecting and the gameplay. And I've been to some video game bars and seen people every week they show up and they play magic the gathering every single week right and they're into it so knowing that's kind of the audience you're trying to capture uh how do you kind of navigate what they will like what they won't like because i feel like if you create something that they won't like they won't mess with you and they'll let you know but you've obviously helped you know succeed on that end so how do do you kind of what do you know like how, how do you know what they would want in a card game well, you know, I think it's it's multifaceted, really, the approach here, especially with, with us being a wrestling card game. You know, wrestling fans are, are almost exactly like card game fans, right? They're passionate about uh, the promotions they like. They're, they hate the promotions they, they don't like with a passion. You can barely change their mind on that. Uh, but it's really the creativity and the camaraderie ship that ca- both card games and wrestling fans kind of cross over. And, and I think the big part here is you don't have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy the game you can just be a card gamer or even a casual gamer likes to play and and vice versa you could be a wrestling fan who's you know never thought about picking up cards but the next thing you see you're watching your favorite wrestler on tv and here's your here's a card of him in front of you and now you get to to play as him right you get to relive maybe some great moments like the sammy callahan and uh, kenny omega match uh, from this year i mean that was a great match well you can play on the tabletop here and Really, for us, it's not necessarily about knowing what our fans would love or our, our fans would like, but 
for us, it's about going out and finding those those guys who are wrestling, who are busting their butts every week, you know, and they're going to be the next new hot thing and working with them to bring their creativity to the tabletop, you know, mm. gives us a playable character, but also lets them expand their brand and they can really advertise to their fans that, look, you can pick up this card, whether you play our game or not. Now you have almost a trading card of your favorite wrestler. And that's kind of what we focus on is really giving back to the wrestling community and, and the fans. You, it's kind of a segue, you just kind of segue to my next question because you mentioned the wrestlers and getting them on board. What is that process like for getting working with these wrestlers from all across the industry? You know, like I said, you got Effie works with GCW, you got Rob Van Dam and Rhino. They're like legends that, that you know, they, they don't even really have a home promotion. They're just legends. And you got Sammy Callahan with Impact and all these different all these different walks in, of life and, and parts of the industry. What is that process like of getting them on board into the game? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it comes down to this relationship building, right? And having the the good name and, and relationships with certain individuals that are in the wrestling community to make those connections. Uh, you know, it can go from Sammy Callahan is a is a very very good uh, big fan of us and has done a lot to promote us and and talk us up to a lot of people in the industry and he's opened a lot of doors for us and, and just building that relationship with him has been fantastic and, and likewise to to rob van dam as well and you know we've worked with impact wrestling and mlw and and really it's about building the relationships there uh, besides than that it, you know it's a lot of a lot of a lot of the guys have their book e- book themselves emails out on their instagram or twitter or, or wherever and you know you fire off an email and you kind of hope for the best really i mean my philosophy <laughs> is you know, it's always going to be a no unless you ask. So right. I'll send out emails to everybody, and I think it's a good sell. You know, I can provide you with some with some money for your name, image, and likeness, and it's comparable to you wrestling in a show. And the benefits for for them are they don't have to fly across the country and take a bump and get dropped on their head. There you they go. can just send me a couple pictures and work with me to design their wrestler, and they can be in front of fans every single day without having to get out there and, and possibly get hurt. There you go. That sounds like a nice trade-off to me. <laughs> like, no bumps and still get paid. It sounds pretty nice. That's right. Um, and yeah, you, your philosophy is like pretty much what you miss every shot you don't take. You just out here shooting your shot. And, and exactly. You you're making to, some. <laughs> right. Uh, Nick, did you have a question for Griff? Yeah, I was uh, reading uh, an interview. I guess you did for the WrestlingEstate.com. I see that uh, you were re- you were talking about your personal white whale that you haven't been able to secure is Orange Cassidy. So I was wondering if, uh, you know, there are certain uh, other people that you can maybe give us a hint at that you're, you're looking to, to bring in or at least, you know, have a plan with and, you know, secure for, for these things or uh, are you just kind of winging it? Yeah, so uh, we've been really stepping up our work with individual promotions. Uh, new MLW, really one of our, our- big first forays into a big promotional sponsorship and partnership. We sponsored the MLW draft and had Ham- Alex Hammerstone, Jacob Fatu, uh, Davey, uh, Davey Richards and uh, La Parca uh, for MLW and then new South. So we do have another promotion that we're working with right now that it's called catalyst wrestling um, based out of the New York area. Um, Colby Carino, one of the, one of the big names out of there we're working with. Um, so we're excited for that partnership, excited to see that, that grow and blossom. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to get back down with MLW and, and do an entire MLW box set with, with all their roster. Uh, you know, Impact is always on the on the radar there. Uh, you know, some of the names that we got coming um, that we've secured some deals with, you know, EC3, we had him originally in the game. His new set will be coming soon. Matt Cross uh, will be coming soon. 
working on a, a, a long fabled Raven set um, that our community is oh. it's become an inside joke at this point in time. But uh, <laughs> Raven is, has been on, you know, I used to play Raven in WCW NWO on the N64 and, yes. and, and that was really my experience in, in wrestling. Right. And, I used to always sit him in the corner and do the taunt that he did. And that was like my favorite thing. So the first thing I did was uh, I shot my shot with Scott Levy, AKA Raven. And, and so we've been working on his set for a while. Hopefully we'll get that squared away and, and come out pretty soon. Um, and then, you know, we work with anybody from those big names, like you said, RVD down to, you know, somebody that's in a local promotion, Eric Jaden up in New York uh, has been a new one we just released and uh, TJ Marconi with intense wrestling Alliance. Uh, so we'll work with everybody. And you mentioned yeah. your work uh, with Hammerstone and EC3, and we we just had them recently on the podcast not too long ago, and those were like two of our most downloaded uh, shows. So we know that like they're very popular, and I'm sure that you know you, as you add, you know that Raven one might be like huge. Oh, absolutely right. I mean, you think, can you imagine an old ECW set with all the ECW stars oh, yeah. in there? You know, Sabu's in the game as well, so you could have Sabu and Raven and RVD. Uh, you know, all popping off. A uh, little Guido, we, we signed him. He's you know he's from ECW. We can we can create a whole ECW set, which would be really really cool for some old school, especially some Philly fans. You know, up in the twenty three hundred arena area. Oh yeah, yeah. That's where that's where we at. Obviously, you know, <laughs> twenty three hundred arena and and ECW. We got blue a boy Blue Meanie. I'm sure he'd be interested if you yeah. hit him up and whatnot. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about uh, the partnership you have right now with. New South. You're talking about the uh, partnerships you have, different promotions, uh, and you talked about the different ones you have around the country. But what's 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 the one one you have in New South, and how has that parlayed itself into the show coming up this weekend? Yeah, so you know we were down in Huntsville, Alabama, um, which is about two hours away from where I'm at for a, a Comic Con show, and. I really loved New South's hustle. They had one of their students come by our booth, buy a two-player box set, and hand me a flyer. And, you know, said, hey, you guys should come on out to the show. And, and like I said, my philosophy is it's always a no unless you ask. So the guy asked. And my wife, being the ginormous wrestling fan in our family, uh, I said, hey, let's let's take a trip down to Huntsville and go experience them. And they were wrestling at a bar down in Huntsville. And, my goodness, I had such a freaking fantastic time that I had <laughs> to go back uh, a couple weeks later. And the caliber of talent that has come out of New South and continues to come out of New South and the hustle those – that all the students put on, the kids put on, and Dump Sanders, the owner and GM of New South, are, are just amazing. Right, the love for the sport, the love for entertainment, you can see just come across in every match and in every show. And uh, we decided to ask Dump, said, "Hey, man, uh, how about we partner up and release some product for New South?" And he said he was in. And then we had the opportunity in Pax Unplugged to to get some space uh, in the new jersey area for a wrestling show and my wife's lifelong dream has, has been a part of wrestling in some some form or fashion so she said hey why don't we put on a show and reached out to dump dump said he's absolutely down i'll bring my entire crew up to philly and uh, <laughs> you know, the, the rest is kind of history and I, I think the partnership's going to be fantastic i think it's going to continue to be fantastic uh if we can provide you know product for them for their fans if if their fans can take home a piece of new south you know and play at their at their kitchen table and in the same sense if if my fans from across the country get to experience new south wrestling and as well as all the people that'll be listening and, and showing up at the show get to experience this uh i'll be extremely happy and and you know it's, i'm not ruling out taking a 
a New York or a, a Northeast promotion and bring them down to Alabama to take on New South. Uh, hey, why know, not? It's all about the, the show and the pageantry, you know? I mean, if we're if the South is invading the North, let's let's bring the North back down and take on the South in their hometown. Yeah, and, and let's help these promotions, the indie promotions, man. Sell some tickets. We, we just talked about yeah, it on our show the other day. Yeah. Right. It's good to see these independent promotions back and up and running again because, you know, they don't have the money that WWE and AEW have where they can run shows with no fans. They need those fans. And it's, it's good that they get, get the people back in the stands and... And sell some tickets, and you know, and up and running again. So, and have these guys work too, and get to, get the experience, so they can potentially get to a WWE, AEW, or MLW, or wherever. Uh, and again, reminder: New South Pro Wrestling's debut up here in the Northeast is Winter Wars Rumble this weekend in Del in Westville, New Jersey, on one zero three zero Delsey Drive in Westville, New Jersey. Uh, one last question for you before we let you go: just kind of a, a, a macro question about the card industry as a whole. You mentioned you're going to PAX Unplugged this weekend, uh, and I, I, like I said, I've seen uh, people playing card games throughout my life, and I know Nick has as well. What is the card game business like now, uh, and wh- what do you think is going? Where do you think is going in the future? So, I mean, definitely the pandemic has kind of caused the opposite of what you'd have imagined in in the gaming world, in the board game world, the card game world. Um, you know, we work with some some different individuals ac- across the board, and what they saw during the pandemic was a rise in trading card sales, uh, sports-related trading card sales specifically, and then also the Pokemons and the Magic the Gatherings and those cards. And I think what it came down to was you had a lot of people who, you know, are in their 30s now and, and remember growing up with, with Pokemon, and now they have some disposable income. They're stuck at home. So, yeah. you know, what do you do? You dig out your old stuff. You start buying cards. You can't go to the sporting events, so why not buy a pack of football cards? And so I think that's what that's what we've seen throughout the pandemic. And, and you, if you remember seeing the rush of people going to grab Pokemon cards at Walmarts and Targets. Oh, I, mean, I remember. That is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's it, right? I mean, that's the, the craze. And for us, um, you know, we were very, very blessed with uh, the ability to play our card game over webcam. And have a ton of fun. We stream on Twitch. We stream on Facebook on multiple platforms, and bring a sh- really a live show atmosphere to playing cards. And so we were set up for that prior to the pandemic, and, and that has caused us to really flourish. And then on top of that, we are almost—I w- I would like to call it 99%—we uh, print in the USA. The only object that we don't print in the USA is, is our dice that are involved in the game. But besides that, family we print with and that has really allowed us to flourish uh, throughout the pandemic and then once the the floodgates open of, of live shows and live conventions uh, i can only imagine that it'll continue to rise and we'll have an explosion of growth throughout this next year yeah because you mentioned those conventions i mean those conventions draw thousands of people i mean unfortunately we had a, uh the anime convention happen up in i think in new york and the omicron variant kind of ran through that a little bit but besides that there's a lot of people at the conventions who are doing the trading cards, and, and there's a lot of wrestling fans at conventions as well uh, doing their thing. So, yeah, it sounds like y'all are set up for uh, a lot of success here at Super Show, Absolutely. the game, and and beyond. I mean, it sounds like y'all got the box sets. You got the the uh, the, winter, the the New South one coming up this weekend at the show. People can get for free. You got, you said you might do some MLW ones in the future. So, yeah, it sounds like y'all, y'all in business <laughs> over there. At RSG University Absolutely. Incorporated. So good, doing good. 
Yeah. So before we let you go, uh, anything you want to promote? We got the show this weekend, obviously, but anything socials, anything like that you want to promote for SRG and uh, anything yeah, else? Absolutely. Yeah. So be sure to check us out on uh, twitch.tv slash SRG universe. We do some live streaming there. We stream uh, once a month, a free pay-per-view of our card game where we have all of our champions on there trading the belts. We have actual wrestling belts that, that are passed around our community. Um, so check us out there. Also on our website, supershowthegame.com. You can find all of our social links on there uh, and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And then, of course, check out New South. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter and, and all the guys and gals that are there at New South. And just show them some love this weekend. Come on out and just, just be prepared for a great time. There you go. Again, New South going to have their Winter Wars Rumble in Westville, New Jersey. 1030 Delcy Drive. Tickets as low as 20 bucks. And they got the new box set debuting this week in the New South Brawl two-player box set. And if you get the VIP, you can get a box set for free. <laughs> you know, right? So again, that's right. Yeah, free ninety-nine is always is always nice. So uh, thanks again, Griff, for joining us, man. This was a blast to talk about. I feel like I learned a lot about the card yeah, industry absolutely. talking to you, man. Absolutely loved it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, thank you, man. And we'll be back after this with our deep dive into In Your House 5 Seasons Beatings. Thanks again, Griff. It is now time to deep dive into In Your House 5 from December 17, 1995. Not Buried Alive, but Seasons Beatings. You see what I'm saying? I tried to rhyme that there and it didn't really work like out. Like it didn't really that, work actually. out at the end. I lost track of it. But are you ready, sir, to deep dive into Seasons Beatings? Uh-huh, no, that's right. <laughs> I might have to use that every week. It's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's pretty good. Do we have an intro loaded up for this show, or can I just jump right into this? It's Hell a yeah. special time of year. A <laughs> well, time you know of giving. Top hat, good baby. A time of joy. But one family not enjoying the spirit of this holiday season is the Hart family. <laughs> At a time when most come together, this family has drifted apart. Bret Hart, the reigning three-time WWF champion, puts his title on the line against his own brother-in-law, the British Bulldog. A man driven by the obsession to become champion. A man Brett has never beaten. A man who, in fact, ended the Hitman's intercontinental reign after an epic battle in front of 80,000 frenetic fans at Wembley Stadium three years ago. Tonight, two men stand apart. One family stands divided. Tonight, it'll be more like season's beatings for the Hart family. Hi, <laughs> pal. <Leave> your house. <laughs> <laughs> The soulful eyes in your house. Snowballs. Snowballs to the door. It's very soulful in your house. It really is. I've never heard it until I I was into the show. I love it. Um, But in your house five, retroactively titled Seasons Beatings, as Todd Pettengill said in the intro, took place on December 17th, 1995. It emanated from the Hershey Park Arena in Hershey, PA. It's only a couple hours west of us here. Uh, Hershey's about like Central PA, right? I don't um, know. I think it's Central out PA. There. 
that's that's where they typically hold like the high school state championships because yeah. uh, it's like middle ground, I guess, for you know west western teams, the eastern teams, and PA. Um, but the Hershey Park Arena is a very uh, historic building. For really, one thing, not not for in your house five. Uh, no, 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 maybe two things. You gotta no, include no. in your house five now. No, I mean no. It's, it is included on the, the arena's Wikipedia page. I'm not gonna lie. There you go. But it's really important because it is the same building where Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a single game, which is still to this day the most points ever scored in a single NBA game. Of course, that took place March 2nd, 1962, when Wilt Chamberlain helped the then Philadelphia Warriors. You know, we went to 76ers then. They, you know, they're the Warriors, and they moved to California, and then the Sixers started here, so different thing. But help the Warriors defeat the New York Knicks, and we're coming up on the 60th anniversary of that game, mind you. So even though that event was obviously more historic than In Your House 5, there were more people at In Your House than there were at that game. There were only about 4,000 <laughs> people there that night. And it wasn't even televised, which is just how it was back in the 60s. But in this game, I look, you know, you know, sports stuff. I got to look up the, the stats. Oh, and yeah. Let's go. I found the box score for Will Chamberlain's 100 point game, which I've never really looked up. Surprisingly, I thought I've, I figured I would have like, you know, By sought this out least, yeah. years ago, but <laughs> no, not until I watched the show. Uh, Will Chamberlain he shot the ball 63 times. <laughs> he made 36 shots. Understand, most guys, if you don't know basketball, most guys aren't attempting 30 shots. He made 36 shots. Remember it was a big deal when AI would shoot 30 times in the game? Like, yeah. oh my God, he's such a ball hog. Even yeah. though he was the best player on the team by far. But, well, 63 attempts from the field. He went 28 of 32 from the free throw line. He got 25 rebounds and only two personal fouls. <laughs> right? His teammate, Guy Rogers, 20 assists. I'd imagine most of those went to Will Chamberlain. <laughs> no one else in the team had more than 17 points because we won the game 169 to 147 Ooh. so of course <laughs> the rest of the team only scored 69 points so that's nice nice it is nice nice uh the knicks somehow had three 30 point scorers and still lost this game because <laughs> they couldn't stop will well they had even a guy off the bench score 30 points Right, I looked up the score by quarter. Like what he did, he had twenty three in the first, which is absurd. Off top, uh, eighteen in the second, and then in the second half, just something. Just he just got he's went off. Okay, twenty eight points in the third quarter, then thirty one points in the fourth quarter. I guess they were like at this point, like let's get him the ball a lot mm, so he can yeah. get a hundred. And doesn't didn't matter. They were probably putting the whole defense on him. Didn't matter. Hundred points. He took twenty one shots. In the fourth quarter alone, that's crazy. Then how you have time? It wasn't a shot clock back in these days, by the way. No. So to get twenty-one shots up in a quarter is stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. I'm pretty sure they have a shot clock back in '62. I can look it up, but I'm willing to bet they didn't. Uh, if they did, okay. But I know they didn't have a shot clock in college basketball to like the late '80s. Yeah. Right. Because when Villanova won their first championship, they only took 10 shots in the second half because there was no shot clock. So, there's that. Uh, but uh, on this night in 1995, there were 7,289 people in attendance, according... Screaming fans. Screaming fans. 360 degrees around Bret Hart. <laughs> That's what Vince McMahon said at one point. But 
That's according, of course, to good old Wikipedia, which, again, has never, ever, not once, let us down. Uh, of course, this is coming off the back of Survivor Series, which we did a couple weeks back. So we're kind of familiar. You know, you're all up to speed on what's going on right now. Diesel's pretty much a heel or a tweener. Uh, British Bulldog is getting his title shot. Undertaker's chasing Mabel around. You got it. You know, we, we know what's going on. Uh, we got the opening video package. And, of course, we got Vince McMahon yelling his way through another intro. <laughs> and he's joined alongside... Jerry the King Lawler, who just got a new contract from WWE for some reason. Don't know why, but he's still there. Uh, Vince hypes up the main event, which of course is Bret Hart defending the WWF title against the British Bulldog. And he hypes up Santa Claus, who will be in the building. And he's acting as if Santa is like the big drawing card, which for this time period, he was probably the biggest star in the show. <laughs> he, you know, he, they didn't have much else to, like, to go sounds to. Sounds like you're disparaging him, Vaughn. No, I'm disparaging WWF. <laughs> Santa's a big draw in any time period. <laughs> Santa's a big draw in any time period, but especially in December of 1995 for the WWF. He made multiple WWF appearances. I'm surprised they got him. You know, 92 <laughs> Survivor Series, 93 Survivor Series. Man. 95 in your house. Man. They're booking Santa like crazy. <laughs> booking him more than Bear Horowitz. Santa deserves a push, man. Got to get that push in December. Right. The December push is important. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lawler also teases a big surprise for everyone later in the show. Big surprise. Ooh. Nice. Can't nice. wait for that. Uh, and he said he... <laughs> the only present he gets to Vince McMahon is a going away present, but Vince has to do his part first. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, so the opening match at In Your House Five is a tag team match. A tag team match, player. We got the One Two Three Kid and Psycho Sid, the part of the Million Dollar Corporation, of course, teaming up to go against Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty. Of course, I'm remember going to make this a tag team match. Pretty much. This will be on SmackDown these days. Teddy, it was already a tag team match. <laughs> right. But this is on pay-per-view now. Uh, of course, you remember uh, Survivor Series and Razor Ramon being upset with mm. One Two Three kid destroying TVs and having uh, the, the Bone Street crew hype him up in the back. Like, yeah, man, you ain't. He ain't nothing, man. You Razor Ramon, man. He ain't got nothing on you, brother. Like, doing all that. Well, it's time to finally put up a shut-up for Razor Ramon and One Two Three kid in the ring, in this tag team match. But before that, they played a clip from Survivor Series and what happened, but they mentioned that it was courtesy of WWE Coliseum Video. And it just so happened that this week, or last week, I believe, that news broke that WWE is ending its home video production after 40 years. Yeah. Did you, that's, how about that? Uh, so weird to me now. Everything's going to be digitalized, and I don't know if I like that. Well, I'm surprised it took this long, honestly. Because who was really buying <laughs> these DVDs I mean, and Blu-rays? I mean, people still like physical copies of media, and I get it. And they I do. know there's value there, but, but there's clearly not enough value It's expensive to produce that stuff. Do you well, get a return on your investment? Yeah, I'm like, God, they're rich. Who cares? I mean, but still, they're going to try to save money wherever they can. I mean, yeah. that's why they fired like 70 wrestlers <laughs> like <laughs> that was actually on TV. Yeah. I'm surprised the home video division was the first thing to go. That's Which true. is sex for whoever. The division they suddenly, 
I, but I mean, it, apparently it's only like really in the U.S. and Canada. Um, but like the U.K., they I think they're still doing some stuff over in the U.K. in 2022. Hmm. But I mean, they, this is a big money maker back in the 90s, obviously in the 80s into the 2000s and 2010s. Like I remember 2013, it was still making. Yeah. DVDs like monthly it felt like stuff like that I bought yeah. you know that was part of my collection I had this is the LOD DVD network. Mr. Perfect DVD you know Ric right. Flair's couple DVD collections and stuff you know I was I was buying all that I mean it was very uh, you know the design too like just having the physical oh, yeah. copy of the box like they made it stand out so much it's like man I kind of just want to get it and not even watch it just so it could be like part of my collection and look really awesome there like I didn't even right. watch most of them. Not, I didn't. I, I shouldn't say that, but I didn't watch all of them. I didn't really get into the to the buying of it, the purchasing of the DVDs or the videotapes. Uh, but I vividly remember wanting the WrestleMania box that they were selling. I think before WrestleMania 16 it was like every WrestleMania ever to that point. Like, man, that would be dope. Um, but when I started, you know, covering wrestling for Philly.com or Inquire.com back in 2012, 2013. WWE would send me the DVDs. So I got like Mankind's or Mick Foley's DVD they did like in t- around that time period. And I remember it came in a sock. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mr. Socko, you're talking about the presentation of it. Like the presentation was dope. Yeah. But that takes time and money. Like I got the War Games DVD. Uh, I got a- In Your House DVD, In Your House compilation. So uh, some were pretty cool, obviously. Uh, I think it was a 50 years of the WWE Championship. There was, was a Triple H DVD that came out around that time. I got all of those somewhere. I don't know where they are, but yeah. But how many people were buying these back in you know nowadays? Like they're not. They just it just can't be the case, right? You would think. Yeah, I guess. No. So it just doesn't make any sense to keep it going. But uh, but as far as this particular match, I know that all four of these guys have been through a hell of a lot during their wrestling careers. <laughs> One, two, three, kid had his addiction issues, which he's, you know, he's doing well for himself right now. He's, so he's good. But Marty Jannetty, come on now. He's had all kinds of issues. Still having him, I'm willing to bet. Remember we talked about, like, somebody making somebody disappear a couple years ago? Yeah. <laughs> so what the hell is Marty Jannetty talking about? Marty. Yeah, then Razor Ramon has had his addiction issues, and he's had some stuff come out about him recently with the whole plane ride from hell episode of dark side of the ring that didn't paint him in a positive light at all and then you got sid and he stabbed a guy (laughs) (laughs) stabbed arn anderson two years before this right that's why he left wcw because he stabbed a guy with scissors (laughs) so yeah all four of these guys very controversial figures in uh pro wrestling uh I've noted that Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty had matching leather jackets for some reason. Yeah, man. That was great. That was weird. I didn't. I don't, I don't know it was about like that. The Heart Foundation wannabes or something. Yeah, they look weird. I didn't like it. It wasn't it wasn't necessary. Uh, but speaking of controversial, mm. we get a shot of Gold Dust sitting in the stands, eyeing up Razor Ramon, and I feel like this would be very controversial today. It was kind of controversial back then, but I think for different reasons. Yeah. Um, because oh my God, a man. Sort of lusting after another man, oh, bizarre. <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was the story was bizarre and how he painted Gold Dust to be kind of a villain. And later he'd send Razor Ramon a note and Razor Ramon would be like disgusted and angry about it. It's like, he's trying to fly to you, bro. <laughs> he likes you. 
Just say, I'm, you know, yeah. no thanks, and that's it. <laughs> exactly. You know, beat him up for it because he likes you. Like, he thinks you get all the machismo. That's called toxic machismo. Hmm? Hmm? Follow me? He's talking to movie quotes. It's weird. Are you here for an affair, sir? The graduate, 1967. Look at him. Oozing machismo. Toxic machismo. That long, wavy, jet black hair. That masculine, muscular, <laughs> hairy chest. Oh, that is a man. Oh, yes, indeed. Ted is 100% what line is that movie from? What line is that movie from? His style, his elegance. But before. But before. Yes, indeed. I think he forgot his line right here. Yeah, something. That didn't didn't really make sense. Sea of life. (laughs) (laughs) Waxing poetic right now. This this naughty one up there, this bad guy, Razor Ramon. Could you be so kind as to give him this? This is when he gives Todd the envelope. The golden envelope. A gold envelope, obviously. Everything Gold Dust touched was golden. (laughs) And then he says... What? <laughs> that, that's that actually happened, right? I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah. More for that. More on that coming later on. But yeah. the match itself, uh, Marty and Janetti and One Two Three Kid started off. They were moving at Sid a very fast kid. pace. Love that name, Sid and the Kid. Yeah, yeah. They were a pretty good tag team. Uh, Razor tried, almost got his hands on Kid. He did for a brief period of time, but. Eventually, uh, Kid tagged in Sid, and he went to work on Razor. And remember we talked about a Survivor Series 96, how Marty was limping around and just wasn't himself? Yeah. Well, this is what Marty looks like at full strength. In this match, he was on his game. Mm. Like, for all the wild stuff that Marty Jannetty has done, just one thing he always did right was wrestle, for the most part. He could work. He wasn't necessarily, like, super duper over, but he could work. So we can give him that much yeah. credit. Um, but out of nowhere, Razor Ramon beats Sid with a bulldog from the like the top yeah. rope or the middle rope. Yeah, Random. which I, that that kind of surprised me that they just let Sid get pinned like that. Mm. Uh, Razor Ramon tried to give one, two, three, Kid the Razor's Edge after the match, but Sid managed to drag Kid out of the ring and live to fight another day. Meanwhile, Goldust is in his private box, getting all hot and bothered by what he saw. <laughs> Again, more on that later on. Uh, but back to Sid, Kid, and Ted DiBiase. They storm back to the superstar line, and they are upset. And they're yelling into the phone and all this stuff like that. But, you know, that doesn't matter. Nope. We're moving on. Go ahead. Are we going to say something? No, I was going to say, nope, doesn't matter at all. I was like, oh, nope. the superstar line plug. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> moving on to something we mentioned at <laughs> <laughs> Survivor Series 1995, and I deep dive on that, was... The ring announcer, Manny Garcia, because I, I, I heard him 
I think it was during Undertaker's entrance to Survivor Series. I was like, who the hell is Manny? Who's who's doing the ring announcing? And I looked it up. It was Manny Garcia. And then the, one of the first things that popped up was a massive blunder that he made on this here show. I was like, what? Who the hell? And watching it in with in this proper context, it makes this mistake even more egregious. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you got that queued up right now. This contest is scheduled for one fall. Introducing first, from Knoxville, Tennessee, weighing at 230 pounds, Nature Boy, Buddy Rodell. <laughs> What in the world is going on here? <laughs> I don't think he has any idea what he's doing out there. Seems Yikes. Like some confusion all brought about by you know who out there. Okay, sure. Go ahead now. I got a, I got a big surprise. Wait a minute. Sorry about that. You get out of the ring. <laughs> and he you never, get out of the ring. You never saw him again. <laughs> so, Buddy Rydell, as Manny Garcia called him. Rydell. Was supposed to be Buddy Landell, but he's not supposed to be even in be in this segment. He forgot, <laughs> so I didn't know the order. Like when I watched that clip on Twitter from the OVP Retro Wrestling Podcast. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. I didn't know the context was. So I just heard him butcher the name, and that was it. <laughs> but didn't know that he wasn't even in the right segment <laughs> because Buddy Landell wasn't in this. He's in the next segment for the next match. But for this, this was Jerry Lawler supposedly get on, getting on a mic and revealing his surprise. <laughs> like, and his surprise was a returning Jeff Jarrett, who had a short stint with the USWA. No, no we don't clap. We don't clap for Jeff Jarrett. He's terrible. Oh, my God. Good podcast, Jeff Jarrett, but all-time terrible fits during this time period. Like, I don't know what, bro. J E double F. <laughs> Ain't he great? <laughs> Greater oh, than great. Great, right. That's a new album. <laughs> That's a new CD. The, the first CD, though, Jerry Lawler. So Jeff Jarrett comes back. He does his strut. Okay. And Jerry Lawler gives Jeff Jarrett a gold CD for selling more than 500,000 copies of his first album, which I don't think is a real thing. <laughs> That's a lot of albums <laughs> to sell. Nobody gives away gold CDs anyway. They give away gold albums, even till this day. It's gold albums, not CDs. Um, and then Jeff Jarrett announced that he had a new album on the way. So he's he telling people that this new album's going to drop. People had to cop that, what they were not going to do. <laughs> and then he declared himself as the as an entrant into the 1996 Royal Rumble. Which I hate so much when WWE just says, "Go declare yourself for the Royal Rumble," and that's it. It's like, wouldn't anybody just do that? Wouldn't like who would stop anybody well, from you, saying, "I'm in the Royal Rumble"? When you went on a field trip in school, you needed your mom to sign a permission slip, right? Man, get the hell out of here! So wrestlers, I'm assuming, just enter off this envelope a permission slip, and if Vince signs it, then they can who declare signed, themselves. So Vince signs it. Okay, yeah. no, it's. It's lazy as hell. And why not make your matches on TV leading up to this point mean something by having qualifying matches, which they have done. Yeah, I think they, they started doing it, what, a few, like the during the Attitude Era, I think. It was really like, something like that. qualifying. Right. Or Rumble qualifiers started. I don't remember it before, before that, but 
I mean, they, the only qualifying matches I remember are for like King of the Ring and stuff. But they have in this point. They've had qualifying matches for Royal Rumble, King of the Ring, and even Money in the Bank matches. Yeah. But for some reason, they just get away from that. And now they just announce guys for all those matches. The, the Royal Rumble, I declare, I do declare, I am in the Royal Rumble, sir. <laughs> Whack. People just, they just show a graphic on screen and says, hey, there's the Money in the Bank participants. It's like, oh, okay, well, there that is. Mm. And now I guess they're going to just suddenly hate each other because they're in the match. And they're going to do promos with ladders all of a sudden. Okay. <laughs> and the same thing. It can like King of the Ring and everything else, man. It sucks. Yeah, it can literally carry weeks of your television. Like, right. Uh, so I don't understand like why they don't. They never like dove into it. They did it like here and there back then. Uh, really, like I guess the first King of the Ring. Uh, you know, the qualifying matches were like superstars and wrestling challenge and you know Raws and you're you're getting invested. You know, Mister Perfect and Doink. Had to wrestle three times to qualify for the tournament because they kept drawing each other. Like that type of stuff was cool, and then they <laughs> right. just got away from it. Like, uh, and those matches meant something every week. Yeah. Instead of doing rematches for just for the sake of it, which is what they do today, this rematch means something. It was a draw, but now something's still on the line. Let's do it again. Okay, let's see. We gotta have a winner. Instead, we get I do declare <laughs> hereby on this day in 1995. <laughs> I am entering the Royal Rumble match. It's trash. <laughs> Big trash. But Jeff Jarrett, that's what he did. He declared for the Royal Rumble. And he then he joined the commentary team for the next match, which was supposed to be Dean Douglas versus Ahmed Johnson. But Dean Douglas had a quote-unquote injured back and had to pull out of the match. He said the doctors advised him not to compete, even though you know it's only at 65%, but... His 65% back is still good enough to beat Ahmed Johnson, but the doctors are like, no, 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 don't do it. So he listened to the doctor's orders and sat out, but and then introduced his graduate student, Buddy Landell. <laughs> Not Buddy Rydell. <laughs> Buddy Landell. A graduate Nature Boy. student. Ugh. Nature Boy Buddy Landell, who came out to Ric Flair's first like WWF theme? Probably. I That sounded like it. it. It was close if not if it wasn't that. It was definitely near it. So it sounded like Ric Flair's first WWF theme when they didn't use 2001 a Space Odyssey. They had like their own version. So naturally, pun intended, that's what <laughs> Buddy Landell used. Uh but poor Buddy Landell, he he did go back to school because he got beaten like 25 seconds by Ahmed Johnson. With a Pearl River plunge. Uh, Jeff Jarrett didn't like Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Honestly, made him sound racist. But <laughs> I'm not saying Jeff Jarrett is. He just up and disliked this big black guy for some reason. Um, and he's out here doing country music. And I do declare. I was like, all right. <laughs> and but, Jeff was gone for, what, five months? And he just comes back. And then this is his first thing he does back on TV. It's like after right. losing the... Intercontinental title to Shawn Michaels. It's like, man, what, what is this? What's going it's on? Weird. But there's more. Because Vince told Jerry Lawler to interview Ahmed Johnson. Jerry Lawler obliged. Only with Jeff Jarrett being there, obviously. Yep. Um, Jeff Jarrett was talking trash. Jerry Lawler was talking trash. They pretty much called him stupid. And then, well, first, Ahmed Johnson 
got on the mic and sounded terrible. Let me tell you something, you achy, breaking heart wannabe. You fake! You are fake cowboy! You are urban cowboy, you know that! What? You are achy, breaking heart wannabe fake punk! Not good. <laughs> achy, breaky heart wannabe. Which achy, breaky heart was like Dude, that massive was the hit. The jam. The jam. Right. Billy Ray Cyrus was I had I was a bop. <laughs> then he came back with another bop with uh, Lil Nas X, Old Town Road. Like yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Billy Ray Cyrus shout out to Billy Ray Cyrus. But <laughs> But what the hell is Ahmed Johnson talking about, bro? You a urban uh, cowboy. You punk you fake wanna be fake. Uh, like I mean, what? he was right. I mean, he was a fake cowboy, but <laughs> who is a cow- cowboy these days? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Maybe the I mean, Dallas Cowboys. On a ranch. Well, I mean, they were on their way to their Super Bowl, so I don't know. Whatever. Maybe he's trying to get heat. Not that you mention it. Hold on a second. When did we beat the Cowboys? Ninety-five. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I ain't want to say nothing. That's the oh, thing. we beat them seven days prior. How about December tenth, nineteen ninety five? I wrote a story all about it on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Go check it out. Interview Bobby Taylor, Calvin Williams, Merrill Reese. Go check it out. Is that the game? Where, uh, actually, that might have been a ninety six game. I remember. I was watching the highlights, and I wasn't watching the Eagles back then, but I was watching a highlight from Dallas, and someone like literally. I didn't realize you could do this in football, but uh, an eagle took the football from a cowboy like i always i didn't know the rules so i thought like interception or fumble whatever i didn't realize you could just basically take the ball if the player's not down or whatever and they're still like running or whatever and one of the eagles i think took it from the cowboy and ran it in for a touchdown or something i think the game you're referring to wasn't 96 that was troy vincent pick six at the end of it and like it helped it was a pick it was a pick yeah but did he take it like from a cowboy uh, I don't recall, Maybe but it was a long return. But the game I wrote about was the year prior, and that's when we prior, stopped him yeah. on fourth down twice. That wasn't that was Kelly Green, right? Yeah. That, well, we actually Green. wore white at home that day at, at yeah. the vet, and we stopped him on fourth down. That was when they went for on fourth down, but they called the timeout before the snap. Oh, but we yeah, stopped right, him on the play it. that they actually ran. They came back and ran the same exact play, same and we stopped him again. <laughs> oh, so memories. all they needed was a yard, man. They should have been able to get it. But that's besides the point. <laughs> The point is that Ahmed Johnson, what the hell was he talking about? Let me tell you something, you achy, breaky heart wannabe. What? Fake. <laughs> you fake! You are fake cowboy! You fake are cowboy. cowboy, you know that! You are achy, breaky heart wannabe fake punk! <laughs> fake <laughs> <Santa>. punk! <laughs> what? Stop disparaging Santa. <laughs> okay. You know, what the hell he was talking about? He was talking about Santa. He didn't help his cause at all. And then... They made him actually look stupid when they hit his dumb ass oh, over the head with a God. CD. With the CD. Dude, they hit him in the head like a bunch of times. like, And it looks stiff. How did he stiff not see it coming, though? He's standing right behind <laughs> you, bro. Like, don't let him stand behind you like that. Jeff, Jerry Lawler even told you, hey, step up here a little bit. Let me get this good angle. Like, he's clearly setting you up, bro. I saw that coming from a mile away. Come on. Let's get it together. Where was Manny Garcia? I don't know. It's getting like, fired. Hey, Ahmed. <laughs> Move. He would have called him Ahmad or something. 
He would have called him Tony Norris. Ahmed Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Ahmad Rashad. <laughs> yeah, Ahmed Jenkins is like perfect. Just perfect for what he did with like Buddy Rydell and Buddy Landell. Like, uh, uh, Muhammad, <laughs> Muhammad Ali. <laughs> like, what? It's not here. He's at Super uh, Brawl or Fall Brawl, whatever he's at. And, no, was it? Uh, what, what show he's at in WCW? Oh, I can't Halloween remember. Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc 95? 94. 94. That's yeah. right. It's 94. Yeah. Hogan and Flair, 94. That's right. That's right. Yep. He, he wasn't showing up for the Monster Truck match in 95. <laughs> My was like, no, I won't, I won't be there. He said, oh, the Yeti will be there? No, thanks. <laughs> no, no, I won't. I won't. Um, even though, like you said, they hit Ahmed Johnson over the head with the CD like 40 times. Uh, Ahmed Johnson just popped up and recovered. It was like, I'm good now, and I'm going to kill you, Jeff Jarrett. And Jeff Jarrett ran away. So smart on him for getting away from... Ahmad Rashad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we get the Razor Ramon promo with Todd Pettengill. Uh, the next night, Razor Ramon was set to defend his Intercontinental Championship against Yokozuna. But before that, that's when Todd Pettengill handed Razor Ramon <laughs> the letter from Gold Dust. And Razor Ramon is angry. Mm-hmm. And like I said, imagine being angry about someone flattering you. At least like. I get it. You know, some people don't want the attention. Like, I'm sure, like, for women, they get hit on all the time, and it's annoying, and, you know, that's, the dudes are trying to flatter the woman, but, yeah, it's annoying. But, like, he wrote him a letter. You could just say, hey, man, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm okay. <laughs> he, instead, he wanted to fight Goldust. <laughs> like, <laughs> bro. Written him back if he didn't want to, like, and give well, it to just say, hey, or something. Just talk to him, like, hey, man, I appreciate what you said, but I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm all right. And if Goldust was cool about it, then we all good. Instead, got to get angry and fight somebody. That's weird. That's weird. But moving on. We're now moving on to an Arkansas hog pen match. Between Henry O. Godwin and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. We got the Arkansas hog pen match in Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> makes so much sense. I remember like the build up to this match. Uh, weekend programs would be like, "Oh, there's going to be a hog pen surrounding the ring." And all I could, <laughs> all lied. I could think about, or at, they said like at ringside or something. So all I could think about was the fact that the ring mats were going to have like pigs running around with mud. And I was like, "How? <laughs> how are the other matches?" No, they didn't do that. Like, they did that for the kennel <laughs> match. Kennel yeah. in the hell. Yeah, kennel yeah, yeah, the yeah. kennel in the hell match. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> It's like we it's funny because they that show one day. They, yes, uh, we will. We sure as hell will. Um, <laughs> they would always try to come up with these ideas. So, like in my mind, I'm thinking like all every day up until the pay per view, and even that Sunday, like how are they going to do this hog pan? Is it going to like what's the? Fr- they're only doing it for one match, but like what are the other matches going to look like? Like, and I'm picturing. Someone like Bret Hart, British Bulldog, falling into like mud and dirt because <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be like away from the ring, you know, up the yeah. aisle a little bit. I, in my head, I thought it was going to be surrounding the ring. So, did you watch the show live? I did. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure that too. was a lot of fun. It was. It was great. <laughs> I'm sure that was a lot of fun. 
Pretty uh, sure I taped over it uh, with like an attitude error show. Good for you. Good for you. But like, <laughs> I, I didn't appreciate the Brett Bulldog match. Uh, you know, fair enough. Then, so fair enough. I was so, like, yeah, nothing happened. I don't need the hog pad match, so I'm just going to tape over this. <laughs> Good for you. I'm not mad at that. Uh, we got Hillbilly Jim as a special guest referee. So they paid him some money to just to show up. And they also paid for this damn hog pen in the arena. They actually paid money, spent actual money to get a hog pen and real hogs in this arena. This is the same company that was taking the water coolers out of Titan Tower in 95. <laughs> But yet they got these damn hogs and this hog pen and this slop in the arena, like carved out space where people could have sat, paid money to sit. <laughs> Instead, they had to get this hog pen in there, bro. What a waste of money. That's why they got to do it nowadays. And this also feels like something that would happen today. We're going to talk about more about that later on because <laughs> we, we, we had a conversation yesterday with, you know, pre-production conversation. <laughs> And I mentioned that a little bit, but this feels like something that would happen. And I think did Stephanie McMahon had something like this happen to her with um, Vicky Guerrero, where she got thrown into like some mud or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. that was I've, like the one time yeah, Stephanie McMahon yeah. is made to look bad. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. Can't really come up with that many times. And then like the Triple H show wedding, and that's about it. Yeah. What a, what a, what a time! What a time! But. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, hogs are kind of a, like a big deal in Arkansas, uh, especially when it comes to the sports team, the Arkansas Razorbacks, the, you know, the college team. Uh, the chant they have uh, for the Razorbacks is, Woo, Pig Suey. So if you hear Henry O'Garvin going, Suey, that's part of the reason why. Say that one more time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. I'm going to clip it anyway. <laughs> I'm not saying it again. Uh, I'll, every time I, th- I hear, think about that chant, I think about uh, who was what the coach? The, no, I'm not doing <laughs> it. The Pig Suey chant. I think about, uh, oh man, who was the coach's name who left the Falcons and went to Arkansas before the season was over? Oh, coach at Louisville. Oh, oh, uh, I can't remember his name now. Wait, Coach at Louisville? He coached at Louisville, then he went to the Falcons, and then he left the Falcons to go to Arkansas. Oh, damn, I do remember this. It's not that long ago. Bobby Petrino. I knew I was going to say Patino. Yeah, close. The basketball coach. Yeah, Rick, Rick Patino, who also coached at Louisville once upon a time. That's why when you said Louisville, I was like, wait, Patino? Pr- no, Petrino. Petrino, Bobby Petrino, yep. And it was just like he left with like leaving a note in the player's locker, and then they next time they saw him, he was on – TV and a press conference doing the Pig Suey chant for Arkansas. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? <laughs> and he's done it doing the chant. Like, yeah, I'm committed to Arkansas. And so how that turned out. But um, <laughs> Henry O'Godwin comes to the ring with two buckets of slop. Not one, but two buckets of slop. He tries to slop Hunter Hurst Helmsley, but he grabs some poor soul at ringside and tossed him in the way. Was and this guy it should have been after he said Buddy Rydell. Um, and I'm sure somebody got in the fans, too. Like, this, I know, this, yeah. That sucks. It's like, That's... man, I, I'm paying all this money to come to a right. WWF event in 1995, and I get slopped. Right, especially front row seats. Yeah. You know, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, how much money that would probably would have cost back in 1995? <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
first front row tickets and you get pick slop thrown on you. That's not good. Um, <laughs> Henry O'Godwin eventually got Hunter Hurst Helmsley tied up in the ropes, which allowed him to shove a whole bunch of slop in Triple H's face. Uh, I forgot. I didn't realize this match took place like pretty much in the ring for the most part. Like it's a lot of stuff happening in the ring, and I guess the whole point was to toss the guy into the hog pen in order to win. I didn't know that ahead of time. So I was like, why is this ring happening in the ring so much? And then you know they were going to be in the hog pen the whole time. <laughs> it would have been bizarre, but it's a hog pen match. I like mean, a, a small ring in there with like the ropes. <laughs> Something like if he called it a hog pin match, I want to see the goddamn hog pin, all right? More than for like two minutes. Bring on the slop, all right? Uh, but and it's funny when they would shoot the ring, like they were having the match in the ring, but they would like shoot the hog pin. The hogs were just hanging out, sleeping yeah. in the pen, like <laughs> doing nothing. And the way they would they hyped this match up, they'd be like, oh, the, the hog pen's gonna be full of pigs and blah blah blah. There were like, what, like four, three pigs, four, yeah, four <laughs> pigs. <laughs> And they were just all huddled together sleeping. Yeah. Like, we ain't got time for this, bro. <laughs> we tired. They were WCW fans. Probably. It's like, this is boring. <laughs> I'm here to see the cruiserweights. <laughs> um, <laughs> then Jerry Lawler goes off and does this whole Jeff Foxworthy impersonation talking about, you might be from Bitters, Arkansas, and all this stuff. And I guess it was cool because he, you know, he said he was friends with Jeff Foxworthy, and he's kind of quoting him, but it was still stupid. He went on for like six minutes doing it. Yeah. Um, but side note, Jeff Foxworthy made a ton of cash off those you might be a redneck jokes. Like, I'm sure he toured all over the place just off of that one joke. So, shout out to Jeff Foxworthy, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. You ever watch his show? Oh, the no, Jeff Fox, Foxworthy I show? Did not. Nope. I didn't. No, okay. See, like the uh, yeah, I, I didn't. He was the host of the. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Right. Something like yeah, one of those shows that nobody watches during the daytime. <laughs> yeah, that comes on like when you're in like in the doctor's office, you see it yeah. on, or like, <laughs> you know, I used to go with my mom to the nail salon sometimes, and that would be on in a nail salon. <laughs> it's just on. Nobody's actually watching it. It's just on television. It's just background noise, but um, there's that. Uh, Henry Godwin looked like he had the match one when he was about to, like, he's about to flip Hunter into the hog pen, but Hunter flipped him into the hog pen instead. Oh no! And fortunately, none of those poor hogs were hurt by a falling, flying human being known as Henry Godwin. <laughs> um, how the that would have been terrible if he turned. like landed on top of the hog, something like yeah. that, or kicked him or something like that. That'd have been horrible. I wonder if they had like a secret person around there to try and like move the pigs if they they were like something wrapped around their neck or something, and so he would pull a string and the pig would just <laughs> just <laughs> yank him away. <laughs> that would be terrible. And break his neck or something. Like, uh, yikes. Whoops! I'm sure there was a hog handler in the vicinity somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, those weren't Henry Godwin's hogs. <laughs> They, they he has multiple the, hogs? <laughs> not those hogs, at least. Uh, they, they went to Hogs R Us and got some hogs from some farm somewhere in probably in central Pennsylvania. Not in Arkansas. They didn't get those those pigs shipped up from Arkansas. <laughs> those are some PA pigs, some PA hogs somewhere. Um, 
Because, yes, there's a lot of the farmland here. Hogs. <laughs> Punk! <laughs> the hell is he talking about? Icky, brookie heart. Wanna be. You fake hogs. <laughs> <laughs> fake. A porky pig wanna be. Punk. What the hell was he talking about, bro? <laughs> 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 it was so stupid. That's a great poll right there. Man, that was so dumb, bro. <laughs> it was so dumb. Might need to put that in the intro. <laughs> porky pig wanna be. Everyone's gonna be like, wait, what is that in context? <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what we are talking about? We are mentioning porky pig wannabe. Uh, Henry Godwin immediately got his hands on Hunter Hearst Hemsley after the match and dropped him in the slop as well. Like, what? Like, what's the... Okay. What was the point? <sighs> Triple H goes into the slipping and the sliding routine, you know. He's, he's, he's literally like, can't stand up. He's, you could tell he's, like, purposely trying to fall oh, yeah. into the crowd. Like. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> he's falling around, doing the whole big heel move. Oh, can't stand up. So, I thought that was actually pretty funny, in my opinion. But the wildest part is that he starts throwing slop everywhere. And then somebody's cup comes flying right into yeah. his face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boom. And he just stopped dead in his tracks. He's like, oh, it's time for me to go. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. That drink, like, it had some, some liquid in it still. It did. It, did. it had some weight on it. And that, yeah. like, bow, right in his face. That's crazy. I mean, there's probably, man, he's throwing his pink slop on me, bro. I didn't pay money for these tickets. <laughs> I'm getting slopped at the damn hog pen. Arkansas Hogpen match. Ridiculous. <laughs> Moving on. We get a Royal Rumble commercial with a kid watching wrestling with his family. And they're all dressed like they're going to a fancy dinner because it's Royal Rumble, right? That's right. And Black tie affair. Right. Black tie affair. They're just, but they're just there to watch wrestling. But at some point, they all start fighting each other. So it's just domestic violence everywhere <laughs> in this commercial. <laughs> While the kid's yeah. enjoying the pay-per-view. Yeah, he's just sitting there being traumatized watching wrestling. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. While mommy and daddy beat the hell out of each other. That's really nice. <laughs> well, you and know. granddad and grandma. That too. Yeah, it's just it's just hereditary. It runs in the family. Yeah. Multi-generational domestic violence. That's, that's exactly what we want to promote. Stop you disparaging Santa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we move on to a video package documenting Diesel's new attitude, which is... Slight heel turn. Well, uh, I'll say slight heel turn. It's very much a heel turn, but also he's kind of a tweener because if you had the black glove, he was dapping you up. And if you didn't, he didn't bang with you like that. But he still had friends, including Shawn Michaels. He was fighting for his friend's honor, going against Owen Hart here at In Your House 5 because Owen Hart put Shawn Michaels out of commission. He concussed him, made him pass out, and collapsed after the match, after a match on Raw. Uh, before this show so that's why we're here <laughs> owen hart versus diesel i'm not sure how many times this match has happened but this is definitely something I, I don't think i've ever seen these two guys wrestle before at least against each other uh at one point uh diesel is in the corner owen hart climbs up to the middle rope to try to punch him i guess diesel pie faces owen hart and owen takes a mean bump <laughs> and it falls like on the back of his neck after getting pie face, didn't look great. Um, at one point, Diesel hits Owen Hart with the jackknife powerbomb. Seemingly had the match one, but decided to not let the referee count to three. He gets off of Owen Hart. He goes for another powerbomb, but he 
pie faces a referee, Tim White, before he hit the move. Diesel was quickly disqualified, even though he hit the power bomb and and you know whooping ass, but he was disqualified and he lost technically. Good. Even though he was whooping all kinds of ass, it's like they it's like they did they watch this match and then repeat this finish with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and WCW. It was a Halloween Havoc. Was it 97, 98? 98 with the uh, when he powerbomb Hall. Right. A few times. When he was telling he was going to beat the alcohol out of him or something like that. How about a double? It was trash. Yeah. yeah. But he, 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 got, he got himself counted out. <laughs> but he proved he's the real winner. Not oh, technically, God, yeah. no. Yeah. No. <sighs> the one thing I, I thought about coming out of this match... Was, I wonder what would have happened if Diesel had actually stayed in WWF and kept doing the whole black love thing. When he only daps up to people with black gloves. Because this is like a precursor to like the Attitude Era. Except it's 1995 and they, were, they weren't ready for that at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he's trying to get to that. And they've talked about this in interviews. Like, we, that's, we want to do more realistic storylines and stuff like that. And it took a lot of, uh, a lot of conversations with Vince McMahon to finally convince him to do so. But here's Diesel in 1995 being very much, uh, I wouldn't even call him an anti-hero. He's just being an asshole, but he likes certain people. Yeah. He likes the people that likes him. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, if, I wonder if they were, if, I feel like if he had stuck around, could there have been, you know, more and more black love showing up in the audience and could have meant him becoming a more full-fledged babyface again? I think so, and I think he would have seen him uh, be a champion again at some point, uh, way before, way sooner than he did in WCW. Yeah, because the the momentum he had, I think, was eventually, you know, and not really like something that WWF really wanted to do. But eventually, Steve Austin kind of capitalized on that on the on the want for like a guy who just didn't give a damn, right? Yeah, people kind of wanted that here. But WWF, again, wasn't ready to give people that. They wanted to give people the straight lace, happy-go-lucky baby face. But, again, a year from now, we see Sid, very much a heel, get the, the coronation of a lifetime in Madison Square Garden. Because people that's what people wanted. Yeah. And, of course, the NWO eventually becomes the top act in the business. They were very much bad guys. So, <laughs> like, so I, I, just, I, just, I just think that that probably could have happened for... Kevin Nash, if he had stayed at WWF, but instead he took the money, which I think most people would have done in his situation, and he, he secured a bag. But yeah, it would have been interesting. I remember hating this version of uh, Diesel too. Like, even though he was like, "This is for you, Sean," I'm like, "Oh, yay!" And then he like, he's a jerk though, and I'm like, "Wait, I'm conflicted." <laughs> right, and that's, that's the desired effect. I think. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not even what it's not December '95. I just turned ten, so you know I don't know what to think at this point. Right. Well, again, in hindsight, I kind of like this character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was and awesome. I think part of it is because it was short-lived because he it was only a few months and then he was gone. So right. I mean, it was yeah. like similar, you know, with the NWO and WCW, but uh, in WWF with Diesel and that character. Uh, I definitely think that we look back fondly because it was only there for a short period of time. Yeah, and I think the whole black love thing, I mean, yeah. that could have worked, and you could obviously merchandise it, sell some yeah. black loves. Yeah. 
Could have had more matches with Shawn Michaels. I mean, the their In Your Heart House match was great. Um, you know, probably could have had a long program with him in 96. I wonder if what happens yeah. does Bulldog, you know, get that spot still, or does Mankind get that spot in September, or do they just battle the whole year like that? It'd been good, good storytelling. It would have been if he st- stuck in WWF, yeah. but it would, it would have been interesting, just yeah. uh, I believe. But uh, another hypothetical that's just you know, just a hypothetical, yeah. and that's it, nothing more. Um, we move on though. We get a look at Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He's on a superstar line, covered in slop, which is kind of a funny visual. And then we get Santa Claus, who's out with Savio Vega. Hell yeah. But then Ted DiBiase comes out, and he claims he can buy Savio Vega. And Lawler speculates that Vega's price would be two tacos and a burrito, which is like, damn. And we wonder why he got taken off the air a couple years ago when he said, what, ramen noodle drop or something like that? One of the many things that he said that's suspect on the air. This is only 26 years ago. But back to DiBiase, he is questioning the credibility of Santa. He believes he can buy Santa. He can be bought. And then Vega is like, oh, you can, you're trying to kill the magic of Santa. How could you? <laughs> you know? And then that's, that's when it hit me. And I literally wrote down, like, my God, this feels like something that would happen today. Also, wait a second. Is today worse than 1995 WWF? It's not far off, but the matches are better. But that's about it. The content, I could obviously, I could easily see a segment like this happening on WWF television today. It might happen in the next couple weeks when they do a Christmas episode. Remember the, 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 the Christmas thing with John Cena and Alberto Del Rio? Where Del Rio ran over Santa Claus? And it's up to John Cena to like <laughs> yeah. to save Christmas. That <laughs> vaguely, was on Raw. Vaguely, but that was on television. How much I retained in the last decade. It was such a ridiculous thing. I remember Del Rio being like sad. He was like, "Oh no," because he's a heel, and he was like, "Oh, I ran over Santa Claus. I didn't mean it." <laughs> oh and Cena God. being pissed off that he had to fight. He had to fight for Santa Claus and save Christmas. That was on <laughs> Raw, bro. That was on national TV within the last decade. So this isn't that far off what we're seeing here. That's how bad the current product is. I'm like kind of like having flashbacks to 1995. When I, or when I watch 1995, I'm like, man, this feels familiar. This feels like something that happened last week. <laughs> like, not good. But Savio Vega says he believes in Santa. But of course, he has his back turned to Santa. Which... <laughs> Means he's going to get attacked by Santa. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> That's you an just unfortunate your, event. You just have your back turned to anybody in wrestling. They're going to attack you. You should know this, Savio Vega. But you didn't. And apparently, DiBiase bought Santa. Which is pretty hilarious to say. <laughs> <laughs> he, he kept uh, like disparaging him. And that's obviously where the events stopped <laughs> disparaging Santa. He called him like fat and all this stuff. And then... It was just so funny, the fact that uh, Santa attacked him, and then Vince is like, that's not the real Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> the real Santa Claus. Like, Vince sounded like he was legit disgusted <laughs> on commentary. Ah, oh, the desecration of Santa Claus. Oh, my God. What? The real Santa Claus wouldn't do that. Oh, my God. Huh? This is, what? 
Bro, come on. It was really. It was something, man. Really? The desecration of Santa Claus. <laughs> oh my God! I wonder what he would say to the to the Eagles fans who do snowballs to Santa Claus back in the sixties. <laughs> oh dear God! You're throwing snow and stuff that people still bring up fifty years later, which is just <laughs> sickening, asinine. Get over it, bro. Mm-mm. So eventually, Savio Vega he musters up the energy to attack Santa Claus and knocks off his disguise, revealing Balls Mahoney. Well, we didn't know who the hell he was. Not at that point. Yeah. He was just uh, another wrestler. He still doesn't look like Balls Mahoney to me. Well, he didn't have yeah, the hair. Yeah. Or the beard. And he wasn't wearing a flannel shirt tied around his waist and, you know, cut off jean shorts. Uh, but that's who it was. Balls Mahoney was playing Santa Claus. Santa Claus. And they spelled it, what, with an X and then a K? Like Santa Claus. And yeah, because he was like the evil yeah, twin brother yeah. of Santa who lived in the South Pole or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So like, how stupid he was on these weekend programming for a while. Like, how are you gonna have this character in like June or July? Like programming, <laughs> you can't. Was, unless you do like it. Christmas in July, which is like a thing. But yeah, well, I mean, not even in April. April, you know, May. Like, well, <laughs> what were they gonna do? The other, the other eleven months of the year. What are you we'll gonna give do? You, we'll give you two months tops. Like, all right. Pretty much, and he was like, "All right, I get to work in WWF a little bit and show off what I can do. If I can wrestle in a Santa Claus outfit, imagine what I can do without it." <laughs> I guess it's an opportunity. I don't blame Naked? Boss Mahoney for doing it. Naked? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Can you imagine yeah. putting like Top Santa like to give uh, Cold Dust letter to him? Can you imagine like they like make Santa like the top heel and he's like the champion all of a sudden, like evil Santa Claus. Oof! I can. That, that's not outside the realm of possibility. No, you, know, you know for a fact Vince had to be talked out of that because <laughs> right. he, was, he was doing it. Pat Patterson's like, no, but no, but that, no, no, no. We cannot do that. People will go banana. That's a terrible Pat Patterson. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize right now. Maybe Bruce Pritchard. I don't know. Uh, or or Jim Cornette. He was working there. God damn it! Getting the title of Santa Claus. God damn. That's a little better. Well, could he do Ahmed Johnson? <laughs> Santa Claus! He's a fake! You're a fake Santa Claus! <laughs> You're not the real Santa Claus! <laughs> You're a Chris Kringle wannabe! <laughs> Saint Nicholas wannabe! Fake poke! <laughs> Yeah, ready, Savage, you, return. You, you I, don't, South Pole. I don't know about you. <laughs> Donnie Wahlberg introduces him at WrestleMania. From the North Pole, it's Santa Claus. <laughs> With Ted DiBiase. <laughs> oh, my God. This Jimmy is... Hart. <laughs> hey, baby. Hey, baby. This is Jimmy Hart with Santa Claus. Hey, baby, sing that too for me, Chris Crenn. Come on, baby. I got all the impersonations. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all this over goddamn Santa Claus. I think my favorite one now is Ahmed Johnson. Like, we're, <laughs> we're going to need to cue that up every week. 
They are so terrible in that promo. Like, what the hell, Ahmed? You want to be fake punk? <laughs> Icky, and then you just like fill in the blank. Wanna be? What are you talking about? Who fed him that line? You know that's a Vince McMahon line. <laughs> Somebody. Did Ahmed Johnson listen to Aki Breaky Heart? Like, is that his best? Is that his song? I don't know. Could be. Moving on now. We now get a video package setting up the casket match between The Undertaker and Mabel. And of course, Mabel stole the urn from The Undertaker and turned it into a chain. <laughs> <laughs> and Vince McMahon said this no less than 50 times. He called it the remnants of the urn. Yeah. <laughs> the That's remnants. How I found out. That's how I found out what remnants meant. Right. The remnants of the urn. <laughs> You know, said that little lesson like 60 times during this uh, upcoming match. Again, casket match. The Undertaker versus Mabel. But for whatever reason, during Mabel's entrance, we get a, a promotion for WrestleMania the Arcade game from Doc Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like kind of out of left field. It was weird. But with that said, you remember WrestleMania the Arcade game? Kind of, but I did not. I don't think I had it for Super Nintendo. Uh, I never had Genesis, and I didn't have PlayStation until way later. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't. I don't even think I rented it that much. So, not super familiar with it. Well, it was a very arcadey type of game. Oh. It was like the cool. it was like the Mortal Kombat style graphics of like the digitized people. Uh, those types of graphics. Mortal Kombat was like. I think by this point, Mortal Kombat 3 was out, and it was like one of the biggest games in the world, obviously. So they was like, well, let's do those types of graphics with wrestling, and they did that. Uh, and it started off as an arcade-only game, but they eventually turned it into a home console game, which is how I played. I, play, I think I played it in an arcade at one point, but I played it on like Super Nintendo. And for like six-year-old me, it was a blast. <laughs> I loved that game. I don't think the critics love it, because it was just like, I think the, the home port wasn't that great, but I think the people liked the game a lot. Like, it was a fun game. You could actually, like, tombstone people with The Undertaker. Like, actually, like, turn them into a tombstone or something like that. Or, like, <laughs> you'll go do the bonsai drop from, like, a 30 feet in the air. Uh, I remember Doink the Clown would actually, like, electrocute people with the buzzer thing. The handshake buzzer thing. Uh, Shawn Michaels would kick people in hearts with fly everywhere. It was dope. <laughs> or Bret Hart. I think that might have happened with Bret Hart. Either way, the game was fun. Uh, it was silly and goofy. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. So, there's that. Um, for the match itself, though, Mabel <laughs> whoops the Undertaker's ass <laughs> and then hands him off to Mo, who puts the Undertaker in the casket. Okay, step one, oh. put opponent in casket because this is a casket match. But that's only step one. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was going according to plan, except when they forgot step two. <laughs> well, this, is only, this is only a two-step plan here. <laughs> well, I guess three steps. Beat up opponent. Place opponent in casket, but that third step was just lost to Mabel and Mo. That third step, of course, is to close the damn lid, and they didn't do it. They just forgot. Mabel puts on his crown, is walking around, doesn't close the lid. Undertaker, of course, he fights out his fights his way out of the casket, beats up Mabel, puts him in the casket, but then attacks Mo. <laughs> You can and literally chokes, see Mabel kind of like shuffle because he's like, oh, he's going to put my one here, so I better make room. 
Right. He literally shuffles himself. He attacks Mo. He slams Mo into the casket <laughs> before he can close the lid. Oh, well, I said, take that back. Mo attacks Undertaker before he can close the lid on Mabel. None of that phase Undertaker. He choke slams Mo, puts him into the casket. He then gets into the casket himself to retrieve the remnants of the urn before finally closing the lid for the win. So, there you go. Uh, after the match, Undertaker signals that he wants the WWF title. He's signaling he wants the belt. Spoiler, he didn't get it until so, 1997. So out of place, by the way. Like, he looks so weird doing that. I don't yeah, know. It wasn't necessarily something Undertaker I, would do. No, like, he, yeah, exactly. Like, he's not a title guy. And while I appreciate him in the main event and wanting the title or whatever, I kind of, when I was watching this back, I was like, he looks so out of place. Like, the Undertaker, that character doing a belt motion around his waist, it, it just didn't make sense to me. Just weird. It was all weird. It was all weird, and I'm glad this match is over. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we got Jim Ross backstage. He's interviewing Jim Cornette, British Bulldog, and Diana Hart Smith. Uh, Cornette says that Bret Hart has always been jealous of J- British Bulldog, who, of course, Bret Hart has never beaten a British Bulldog. That's a big storyline point. Uh, and Diana says she has complete faith in her husband. She's not torn one bit about who she wants to win. She is. British Bulldog. And then the Bulldog said some stuff. I don't remember what he said. <laughs> I'm bizarre. I'm getting the title. And I'm bizarre. And that was it. So, uh, Tyler Pettengill interviews Bret Hart. He says the Bulldog is going down. Probably the own. two most boring pre-match promos I've ever heard. Yeah, it was like, the I didn't even clip. I didn't even clip them because they just, there wasn't anything good. They weren't the greatest, but, you know, Bret Hart, he's great. <laughs> it he <laughs> doesn't is. matter. He is. Uh, but it's on. It's the WWF Championship. Bret Hart defending against the British Bulldog, his real-life brother-in-law. Whoa. Really? One thing I haven't talked about, really, is Bret Hart's theme music. Certified, Bop. Jim Johnston <laughs> did it again. I feel like we talk about him every week now. But damn, it's so good. The guitar riff, the, the bass, like, Bret Hart's theme music, man. It's a toe-tapper, for sure. I love it. Sure. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and every iteration of it. You know, like it. No, oh, I don't know. I don't like the current the world. I don't really I guess kind of current. It's the one that if he comes back today, they have this like remix one I don't like. Yeah. It's like fine. the one he started using in 2010 when he first came back to WWE. Don't it's like fine. it at all. It's fine. No, and I don't like Natty's music neither, really. It's okay. It's better than his new music, but the original <laughs> classic Bret Hart music, dope. Uh, the Owen Hart music from back in the day. That's good. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, yeah. And I even kind of like the enough is enough music. Like, I didn't mind that as much. Wait. Oh, I was going to say. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. With the siren in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, not a fan. I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um, but. Danger. Bret Hart. I don't like Owen Hart Danger. <laughs> I don't like that era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. You don't like Nation of Domination, Owen Hart? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was literally uh, like the 
they're like, we want to make Owen a heel again, and uh, that's the only place we can put him because he can't be. Put a him heel with the black guys. Couldn't put him be a heel on his own. <laughs> like, okay. put him with the black guys. They don't like those. <laughs> Moving on to the match itself, got some ECW chance early on because, of course, we're not that far away from Philly. Um, so there's some ECW fans out there. I saw a couple of ECW T-shirts as well. Oh wow! Um, during the match, or I think right before the match. Vince McMahon got a note, which wasn't something he decided. It was something some, somebody else decided, I guess Gorilla Monsoon in this instance, that The Undertaker would face the WWF champion at the Royal Rumble. So him just signaling that he wants the title meant he got the title shot somehow. Hey, Jeff Jarrett um, can declare for the Rumble, so The Undertaker can declare the main event. <laughs> I do declare I am the number one contender for this here WWF title. But Diesel also made the motion, and he didn't get it. So what's that about? Because he I lost, do, though. I guess he technically lost that match. I do declare I won't. Give it to me at the Royal Rumble. That's just how I imagine this is all playing out. Um, <laughs> Probably not far off. At one point, the match is going on. It's going just fine. Right, things are going great. Jim Cordette's got his tennis racket cover, his Santa Claus. <laughs> Everything's great. They're they're working, they're working hard. Out of nowhere, Bret Hart is leaking. <laughs> like <laughs> everywhere. And I don't think they were blading at this point. So this looks like and the blood, the amount of blood that he had like the on the mat outside of the ring didn't look like it was a blade job. It looked like he got cut open somewhere inadvertently. I don't know. I wasn't told totally sure when that happened i think it happened when he hit the steps yeah when bulldog knocked him into the steps yeah and he like hit the top of his head i thought it was just like a great bump from brett apparently that was not the case <laughs> brett got <laughs> cut open he, he went on the other side and that's when we like we see that pool of blood and then davy boy is going like to talk to jim Cornette, and he's looking at the ground he probably yeah. sees all that blood on the other side he's like wait what the hell is this like what the hell's going on he didn't realize brett was like bleeding that badly but then you know it just became part of the match he was leaking and events because you know they don't really want blood at this point well he gives a directive to the cameraman Of what's going on? You mean he's bleeding profusely? <laughs> so Just say it. There's a funny part of this. The camera work was still a lot better, so I got, I'll give WWF credit there. There was a Nitro, and when uh, I think Steven Regal got busted open, it was like in '97, and uh, it's when Eric Bischoff like took over the commentary table. Like an NWO took over the commentary during one Nitro. I don't remember exactly when it was, but because like he, you could clearly tell like Bischoff didn't want close-ups of the blood and all it was was like a busted nose or busted lip or something it wasn't nearly what the hell Bret Hart looked like during this <laughs> match and literally the whole rest of the match is from the hard camera view they don't do any angles from around the ring or whatever you just see them finish the match and I don't know if it's like I don't necessarily think it's a WWE edit because uh you know, WCW didn't like blood anyway, like any at, at all. So they tried to stay away from it. And so that doesn't surprise me. And it was on Nitro, you know, like cable TV that, or like, you don't want that. Eric Bischoff doesn't want to answer for that type of stuff. So there were, it might've been against Chris Benoit or uh, like Regal and Benoit. And like the whole match was like from the hard cam view. And it was just, it was not 
like I kind of hated it because even though you could see everything, it just I'm so not used to watching wrestling like that, and all because of like a busted nose or busted lip that WCW did that. So even though Vince didn't want close ups of this match, uh, they still did a better job in production. I'm trying to think. You mentioned that WCW never really wanted blood, and you're right. Like I never really noticed anybody really bleeding on a regular basis. It's always WCW. on accident. <laughs> Right, it's on accident, but not like blade jobs, really. So, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, so, Bret Hart's leaking everywhere. Blood is all over the place. Uh, at some point, British Bulldog looks like he legit hurt his left knee at some point, so he's limping around. Uh, I think it happened when he jumped off the top rope and did like a headbutt or something. But then, at some point, this just becomes a fight. <laughs> Swinging at each other, fighting each other on the outside of the ring. Bulldog hits a power slam outside of the ring. Uh, he tries to hit one with the, the pads pulled up. I don't think that worked. I think Brett blocked it. Um, Brett launched Bulldog into the turnbuckle. Bulldog went into the turnbuckle upside down, but when he bounced off, he like hit his head on the mat. It's like what the hell? Like they, they just wouldn't. They just getting their asses whooped in this match. Uh, they're not walking away from this one unscathed whatsoever. And after all this brawling and bleeding and back and forth, this match has a very odd finish. <laughs> When Brett just rolls up Bulldog for the win, <laughs> very anticlimactic. Yeah, he gave him like a a, a boot as a, as Bulldog was running at him, and then he just kind of rolls him up with the crucifix. And I think that's the first time I saw that finish used. Uh, I always see like people kick out from something like that, and uh, seeing Brett use the crucifix to pin Bulldog, I was very like uh, confused. It's like, wait, you couldn't would- beat Bulldog in like more. Uh, I guess more convincingly, like to me, like it's not a, even. It was weird. It's not even like the way. It's just like how it led up to that. It's like there was no like you know we always talked about like how you wanted to end on a crescendo, and it wasn't like it was like boom, 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 and then you had that out of nowhere. It was like into the turnbuckle, boot, crucifix, done, and it's like oh okay, <laughs> all right, and then Bulldog just walks back like he's not even mad. He like right. hugs, hugs Diana and just walks really to the back. Just strange, strange way to end. A match that was like, I was into. It was wild. Like I said, it was like classic. a brawl. It was yeah, fighting it's each classic. other and blood, yeah. and people was limping around. <laughs> it was all hell was breaking loose. And then it's like, whoop, done. Okay, all right. And Bret Hart is still your WWF champion. So there you go. We didn't go backstage for I think they called it an In Your House Extra <laughs> with Todd Pettengill. He's back there with Paul Bearer and The Undertaker, who of course is the number one contender. They're happy. That they're going to get the title shot. But Diesel walks in and he is pissed off. Because he thinks he should be the number one contender. Congratulations are in order. The Undertaker named the number one challenger. He will meet the hitman Bret Hart at the WWF Royal Rumble. Oh yes, over and over again. The fans of the World Wrestling Federation have asked. Who says the that? Undertaker <laughs> going to get a championship match? Thank I never you, asked that. <laughs> Royal Rumble is where it's going to happen. Stand by just one second. What the hell's going on around here? Uh, You beat Mabel, you're all of a sudden the number one contender? What's going on? It's my title shot next. Big Daddy Cool, you haven't been very cool lately. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't been very cool. Why is he throwing quips out there as Paul Bear? watching me around here lately. This is the way it's gonna be, huh? If it's gotta be, it has to be. 
as Brett's music is playing and they're staring right. down each other. Like, you're not very cool. We gotta get this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this soulful ass song. In your house. In your house. In your house. In your house. house? Cut it off before we get some type of copyright. (laughs) (laughs) Put enough of that. (laughs) But that is In Your House 5 Seasons Beatings from the World Wrestling Federation. We dove all the into perfect it, man. Pa- I think the perfect pay-per-view ever. Has it been one that's been better? <laughs> I know you're speaking out of sarcasm, so I'm just gonna let it slide. <laughs> a lot of ha- again, a lot happened on the show. We get a lot of Hog seeds pen, planted as well. Hogpin match, casket match, and a bloody <laughs> WWF Championship match. And like you said, seeds planted because eventually, of course, we're going to get. Uh, uh, Undertaker versus Diesel at WrestleMania. Then, of course, we're going to get... I think Diesel cost Undertaker the title, right? Is that yep. what happened? Yep. Uh, and then that's how we got that ball rolling. We got the ball rolling with Ahmed Johnson and Jeff Jarrett because that's going to be a thing moving forward. Goldust and Razor. Right, which that, that wasn't a thing that lasted too long because Razor <laughs> didn't want to do it, but that was a the thing they're trying to start on this show. Like, that's why that Razor didn't, wasn't at WrestleMania. <laughs> right. So a lot of things were started on this show leading into the next year of 1996. But any final thoughts on Seasons Beatings in your House 5? No. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, since you have nothing else to say on In Your House 5, time to wrap it up for episode 309 of the podcast. But before we do, want to send another shout-out to Griff Briggs over at SRG Universe Incorporated for coming on the show and talking to us about Super Show the Game. Of course, you can see the box set to get to or attempt to get the new box set at the New South Pro Wrestling Show happening in Westville, New Jersey this weekend. Winter Wars Rumble. The good folks down there in Alabama coming up for their debut here in the Northeast. So go check them out out in New Jersey this weekend. And again, thanks again to Griff Briggs for telling us all about Super Show the Game and all they're doing. And it sounds like they got a lot going on there as well with the wrestlers and the promotions they're working with so it sounds like they got a, a bright future ahead of them there at srg universe but it's time for us to wrap it up on episode 309 so nick take us out with some plugs please you can follow me at underscore pecone on twitter and follow us at shooters radio on twitter and we're on facebook at facebook.com slash shooters radio and follow my twitter other twitter account Unfortunate WWE. Wrestling images that precede unfortunate events. I'm having a ball doing that. So follow that. Yeah, go go check it out, man. It's really funny. And I'm, Nick, one post a day. Yeah, I, know that. I mean, I might do two. I might do two <laughs> or three. But I won't do you know one every half hour. No, 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 definitely should not do that. You don't want to oversaturate the market and run out of content, man. You don't want that to happen. So, uh, But you can follow me at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the tweets that I post at Eagles. Not this weekend, though, because we're taking the weekend off. Yeah, I know you people some, saw. Heat for that. I don't know why. I need a break, bro. We tired. People don't want you to take a break. Bro, I didn't work every day, but like one day since July. <laughs> since July. That was four foot. Now, what? Four months that's ago? Five crazy. months ago? That's crazy. Yeah. So 
There are actual human beings running these accounts, people. And we tired. <laughs> so, we are tired, bro. So we're going to take this couple of days off and go relax, get our, take care of our mentals, like Marshawn Lynch would say. Um, but yeah, man, I was, I was kind of shocked by that, too. People was like, what? Day off? Yeah. Bro. <laughs> A you lot fake. of work, bro. You fake social media account wannabe. Pretty much. <laughs> Right, it was on. It's on our heels about that, bro. Man, I'm tired, bro. I'm gonna take advantage of these days off. But uh, if you want to see the previous posts we've done, you can go look at that. Um, but uh, by writing PhiladelphiaEagles.com, of course, we're on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ShootersRadio, where you can subscribe with a nominal fee of one ninety nine. Right, that nominal fee. No, and what is wrong with you, man? What is it now? Two dollars. It's, it's been two dollars for like two years. It's not two years, whatever. Two dollars. I'm a cent off. I apologize. Either way, go over there and subscribe for that fee. And one of the things you can do is, besides get exclusive content, is request a future deep dive. It does not have to be a wrestling related event like we did earlier in this show and in your house five. It could be a wrestling music video. It could be a wrestling related movie. It could be anything wrestling related, as long as it's wrestling related. So go over there, do the. Put the put in the request, and if once you put in the request, we will fulfill it, and we'll let, have you do a cameo on the show, giving your thoughts about said content. So again, Patreon.com/slash/ShootersRadio for that. But until next time, for Nick Pacone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 309 of the Straight Shooters, and we will catch y'all again next week. Hey, Clavis, wake up! The show's over. Oh yeah, kick it.